0: Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Mark, from the gospel of Mark. Jesus began to teach them, His disciples, that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter, one of the disciples, took him aside and began to rebuke him, but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, "'Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things.' He called the crowd with his disciples, and then he said to them, "'If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me.' This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we are taking a look uh, during this Lenten season at what, um, what it means to walk with Jesus, sort of loosely based on, on what Jesus is saying uh, to His disciples. Uh, to those who have gathered around, if you want to become my followers, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? What does it look like to uh, follow Christ? And the question that we want to wrestle with a little bit, again, during this Lenten season, is how do we have a deeper walk with Christ and what are the practices that can help us to do just that? We're going to be lifting up five. And last week, Pastor Laura talked about the uh, the, the 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 first practice: worship. How it is foundational to who we are as Christians and our life and relationship with God. We do that worship in in community, like this, uh, of course, but also in our own private life as we develop a prayer life that is regular and meaningful. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to review uh, the other essential practices. In addition to worship, they are study, give, uh, share, and, and the practice that we want to lift up today, to serve, to serve, one for each finger. That's convenient, isn't it? Worship, worship, study, give, share, serve. Um, by the way, if you'd like to dive deeper into this topic, we invite you to check out Adam Hamilton's book. By, uh, it's in our library. It's by the same title because we stole the title for the sermon season, series. It's called The Walk. Will you pray with me? O oh, God, may the words of my mouth and the inspiration of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's one of the most basic questions that we can ask. In fact, I would argue that it's maybe the most important question that we could ask. If you were to ask Christians around this world, you get lots and lots of responses. Some will say that it's about a prayer that you have to pray, that asks Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Others might say that it's about believing certain things or maybe even a particular way that you practice your faith. There are going to be lots of different responses, and maybe you've heard those. Maybe you grew up in a tradition that had a different response than the one I'm getting ready to share. But for me, the answer is found in the story of Jesus walking along the seashore. It's the Sea of Galilee, and He finds uh, some fishermen. They're just sort of everyday men who He had never met up to that point. They're working hard. They're hard at work. And He says to them these very basic, simple words, come, follow Me. A very simple statement. He didn't ask them to come join a new member class. He didn't uh, ask them to, uh, to confess a certain creed. He didn't uh, say that, it's, uh, that you've got to say a particular prayer even. All he said was this, come and follow me, a simple invitation to walk with God. And so this, this Lenten season, we'll take a look at what it means to come and follow Jesus, to walk with God. As some of you know, um, on January 6, while I was running down Lincolnton Road, I fell and couldn't get up. (laughs) Kudos to my neighbor, Tim, who quickly drove to the front of Salisbury High School, literally picked me up off the ground, put me in the car. It's one of those times that you feel helpless, you feel uh, out of shape, you feel sort of embarrassed, all of that wrapped into one. For several days, I had crutches and a a wheelchair and a shower chair too. I'm thankful for all of those things, but I was bound and determined from the get-go to get back in shape so that I could walk again. The same is true, it seems to me, uh, when it comes to our spiritual walk. With Christ. If, you, if, you, if I want to walk with Him, then I want to walk with Him wherever He wants me to go, not just where I want to go, but where Jesus wants me to go. I want to run and not grow weary. I want to walk and not faint. But to do that, I need to get in better physical shape. I need to get in better spiritual shape as well which begs the question, what are the things that I need to do to get in better shape for my walk with Jesus? Not for the sake of salvation, not for a checklist of things that I must do in order to gain favor with God, but simply for getting in better spiritual shape for my daily walk with Jesus through the the trials, the, the challenges, the twists and turns of this world and of this life. Now, every preacher is going to have their own response, rest assured, but Pastor Alar and I would like for us to focus on these five essential practices of our walk with Christ, to worship, to study, to serve, to give, and to share, and today we want to focus in on the word serve. And one name immediately comes to mind, a name that many of you know, Judy Trexler. Uh, last week, we bid farewell to Judy, who died unexpectedly of a, of a stroke um, She was a long-time middle school teacher, just had a heart, a deep heart for serving others. It was beautiful. When she retired, she was trying to figure out what's next, as often, you know, we try to do. So, she joined our disciple Bible study at St. John's. It's an intensive nine-month study, great study of Scripture, during which, at the very end of which, she discerned that she was being led to the guardian ad litem program through our court system. Her new Her new calling, she felt, was to represent kids in difficult home situations because of abuse or trauma of one kind or another. Uh, She was to be their advocate. That's exactly what they needed, an advocate in their search for a permanent home, either back with their parents or some other location. Over the course of ten years, Judy represented 27 kids selflessly, lovingly and without recognition because you can't share what you're necessarily doing with others. So, um, she did it privately. And here's what I know and here's what I love. It was a ministry for, G- for Judy. It was a way that she could love God by loving others. It was a way that she could serve God by serving others. Uh, what an important part of our walk with Jesus, don't you think? It's interesting. The word serve, if you're doing a, a word search in Scripture, the word serve appears over a thousand times in the Bible, and that does not even count the, the, the number of times that we, you and I, are called to be the servants of God. And so there, clearly, it's a very critically important word or idea, concept in Scripture, right? But what does it mean to serve the Lord? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus spent most of His time doing. Sure, He spent a lot of time preaching, we know that, and eventually thousands of people would gather around to hear Jesus preach. Likewise, teaching, He did a lot of teaching and and healing. Uh, He ate with strangers. All of those were important aspects of His ministry, but what He spent most of His time doing was serving people. He constantly was interrupted by people who were they were sick they were they were hurting they were they were broken he, and, and, and Jesus was constantly stopping to help them out, especially in mark 's gospel, which is a gospel that we that we hope that you uh, are reading through this, this uh, season of Lent. It's a challenge that we made to our congregation to read the gospel of Mark, and you'll see in Mark's gospel, it's a, a steady sort of um, footstep of Jesus uh, to the cross, and along the way, He's constantly helping others. He's constantly being interrupted by people um, for the sake of, of ministry. Why does He stop? Why does He serve so Because his mindset, his orientation in life was that he came to serve, to reflect God's love for these people, to do whatever he could to serve them. This is what it means to walk with Jesus, it seems to me, to be like Jesus, which means to serve others as he served others you know it 's interesting um, church leaders around the world have been have been doing a lot of talking. And worrying, quite honestly, about how this pandemic is going to affect the life, or has already affected the life of the church, we're rethinking church in, in a lot these days, and that's a good thing, of course. But but it strikes me that it does not take a rocket scientist to figure out what the church should be doing today, and what individual Christians, likewise followers of Jesus, should be doing. You see, if we're going to be the body of Christ in this world, which means if we're going to be the physical presence of Christ, of God, in this world, then we need to look to see what Jesus did, and we need to do the same, right? So, if Jesus stopped uh, to help when He was interrupted, then we need to set aside time for interruptions, looking at interruptions as ministry, as opportunities, rather than burdens. If Jesus fed the multitudes, then we need to be about the business of feeding the hungry in our community. If Jesus ate very intentionally with outsiders, folks who, who the rest of the world will look at, uh, about as, as, as uh, away from, as different than anyone else, that as, as maybe the, the, the vulnerable, as the, those on the margins, whoever it was, if Jesus ate with them, then we've got to make sure our ministry includes people from every single walk of life. Look, pop culture and Hollywood, through lots of pretty good movies maybe, uh, certainly um, through the Hallmark Channel a lot, it seems, uh, they like to think that that's the work of angels, right? That God has sent angels upon this world to do that sort of good work of, of loving others, of serving others. But I'd much rather us think of it as not the work of angels, but of God's agents in this world. And you are God's agents, which begs a really good question for self-reflection. How can you be an agent of God for the sake of healing in your community in this world? Maybe that's at your work. Maybe that's in your, in your home life. Maybe that's in your neighborhood. Maybe for our kids, that's certainly at your school. How can you be an agent of building up rather than tearing down? How can you be an agent of repairing rather than destroying? How can you be an agent of love, not hate? Because listen, God has one plan for healing this world. You know that, right? One plan, just one, you. That's it, nothing else. In today's gospel, Peter thought that he understood Jesus had been doing a lot of teaching about this very subject and what it looks like to follow Christ and what is God's purpose for this world, and Peter really thought he understood that message. Um, The message that Jesus had been teaching was that God's desire and purpose is to reconcile the world unto himself, which means to bring the world back into a perfect, loving relationship with God and with one another. But then… Jesus threw threw them a bombshell when he told them how God planned to do it. Did you notice? Because God's plan to do just that was by fully and totally giving of himself for the sake of the world, even unto the point of death, death on a cross. Peter said, no way. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. Not on my watch is that going to happen because that's not the plan, Lord. Why? Because Peter assumed That God's purpose was to conquer the world, to restore the kingdom of, of David, to return God's people to the seat of power and prestige, you know, like the good old days. But Jesus said, no, that's the work of Satan. That's not the work of God. God's work and God's purpose is to heal through love. The Hebrew language, right, Mitch, uh, gives us a word for that kind of healing, chesed. Is that right? I hope. It's correct. It means kindness and mercy and love and justice. It's one of the most important words in the Old Testament. The prophet Micah, for example, uh, speaks of that kind of language when, when he says, What does the Lord require of us but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? Essentially, that's chesed. Isaiah, likewise, the prophet, says the same thing when he outlines the work of God's people. He says to do right, to seek justice, to defend the oppressed, to to take up the cause of the fatherless, to plead the case of the widow. Essentially, that's chesed. And in Proverbs, we're told to, quote, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of the unfortunate, defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Again, that's chesed. So what does that look like for you and for me? Well, let's start, okay? Let's start by allowing kindness to be your aim. Every day in every way. You you see, God isn't asking you to change the world. He's asking you to change your orientation, when you wake up every morning, therefore, before your feet hit the ground, why not say the words of, of Abraham and Moses, of, of, of Samuel and Mary when they said, Here I am, Lord. I am available for your purpose. Use me today. Send me where you need me to go. I want to be made available for you, Lord, and for your purpose today. Make me a vessel of your grace. Begin there. But then, and importantly, listen for God's response. Because it's true. pay attention to the ways that God will use you because He will. I guarantee it, in ways that may be of great surprise to you. There will be opportunities every single day. Sometimes they come to you as interruptions, sometimes as defined opportunities, but opportunities, nevertheless, to provide compassion and care, concern and love for someone else. Pay attention. To the way God will reveal those opportunities to you. And please, friends, know this, nothing is insignificant because sometimes it's the small acts of kindness and compassion that will change our community, that will change our world more than anything else. So let me ask, what one act of kindness is God calling you into today? Something that might not be on your schedule something that you had not planned to do but became God's way of using you, could become God's way of using you to heal this world. Adam Hamilton was a pastor of our Minister for Adult Discipleship, Danny Hines. Uh, He was his pastor in Kansas City. And Danny tells us and uh, reminds us that, That Adam likes to invite his congregation into five acts of kindness every week. It's a consistent sort of plea to his congregation, five acts of kindness. I think that's a good measurable goal. Uh, Five times a week where I intentionally, intentionally serve someone with an act of kindness, with an act of love in Jesus' name. Uh, Our goal, of course, is more than that, but let's start with five times a week. Again, five times. Fingers on your hand for most of us. And let's put that in perspective. Last Sunday, over 1,000 people were part of our worship experience at St. John's. Multiply, multiply five acts of kindness by a 1,000, and in just one week's time, we have infused this community with 5,000 intentional acts of kindness, of justice, of love, and of mercy in such a way that is done because of our faith and because of our walk with Christ. That's, friends, that's what will make our community a different place, don't you think? And that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. I want us to pray together. But as we pray today, it's my hope that you will commit yourself to that very challenge. Seriously. Five acts of kindness, intentionally engaged, to serve others lovingly, selflessly, In Jesus' name. What do you think? As we pray, I'd like for you to engage in an old prayer practice of holding open your hands. Just hold them before you. Close your eyes. If you're online today and worshiping with us virtually, I'd love for you to do the same. Set aside whatever you're doing, put aside your phone or your tablet, and and just open your hands and let us pray together. Lord God, We come into this place with empty hands, no doubt, but we know through your promise, through your word, that you are so very eager to fill us with your grace and with your love. Lord, we want to be agents of your love, so make us, Lord, an offering. Give us the courage to use what what we have to make a difference in this world in your name. Amen and amen.